You're listening to Panels of Blood, part of SplatterPictures.net. Welcome to the first episode of Panels of Blood. I am Wes Snipe. Before we even get started, though, I just want to let you guys know that uh, these podcasts don't really happen in a vacuum. I am able to post something on Facebook and Twitter and get the reaction that I did because of the fact that I have wonderful people around me and who who are extraordinarily encouraging, both fans, friends, and family. And when I say that I would like to make a brand new podcast and I want it released on the Friday and I am asking people to do stuff on Wednesday and they deliver it, I mean, that is why I'm able to do these things. So first and foremost, I would like to thank Chris Begarin. He is the artist for the website. You've seen his stuff on the Dead Air podcast before and the spotterpictures.net. Now you're definitely enjoying his brand new artwork for Panels of Blood. And I'd also like to give a shout out to Rick Hunter. Rick is the guy that uh, composed the opening sequence, the 70s horror melody, the this, this synth score that I just love so much. If you guys want to check out that track and also more of Rick's stuff, you can go to 57RickH on YouTube and uh, get it there. But anyways, what is this podcast even about anyways? Well, I got this idea a few days ago to maybe try to do something a little bit extra with my time. And I've had the inclination for a little while that what I would like to do is something relatively simple that I can do by myself. So yes, this is a podcast in which I am completely by myself, so I am a little nervous, but for those of you who know me from the Dead Air Podcast, thank you for joining me. For those of you meeting me for the first time, hey, how's it going? For people who have been following me for a little while, they know that I'm a podcaster, but what you might not know is that I'm also a comic book writer. But before I was a comic book writer, I was, and remain to this day, a huge comic book fan. Now, we, on the show, uh, Lydia and I have talked about comic books in the past. If you want to listen to a very comic book heavy episode, go back and check out our Creep Show episode that we did a little while ago. And to get the skinny on everything that we love about old horror comics. Now, originally what the Dead Air podcast was, was combining my love and Lydia's love of horror movies and turning that into a show of some kind. So I'm attempting to do the exact same thing with comic books. So what we're going to do for this show is we are going to be reading comic books and I'll be giving you panel descriptions and just basically taking you front to back to issues of my favorite books. Now for the inaugural episode, there are all kinds of different avenues that we could have traveled down. Of course, given the kind of show that this is, could have started with something from EC Comics, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror. We could have gone in any other direction. We could have done some more modern 
horror comics like The Walking Dead or Hell Child. We could have done Eerie or Creepy. We could do the Chaos comic characters. We could do Lady Death. We could even do things like Swamp Thing. There's all kinds of different characters that are based in horror or have enough of a monster tinge to them that I think that would be appropriate for this show. But for the first episode, what I decided is that I would tackle a character that I've had a particular affinity for for a lot of years now, mostly because of my love of vampires, is the character of Vampirella. Now, the character of Vampirella has been around since 1969, and she started out in Warren Publications. You guys might know Warren Publications from things that they released like creepy and eerie comics and famous monsters of filmland. Vampirella was also a title that was under their roster for a lot of years. That's when Archie Goodwin was writing the character. But later on, she got uh, moved over to Harris Publications and then eventually landed on Dynamite. Now, the character has been around for a lot of years, as I said. So, I mean, a lot of fantastic writers and artists have handled her over the years. In fiction, this character has met everyone from Ash from the Evil Dead series to the Xenomorph from the Alien series. She is tangled with tons of other characters. I mean, Mark Miller's written the character. Grant Morrison's written the character. But the one that I wanted to take a look at today was when Nancy Collins took over the character. When Vampirella first was released... She had way more of a science fiction tinge to her. Um, she was from the planet Draculon. How fucking amazing is that? And I'm not even being sarcastic. I, I, I genuinely love the fact that she was from the planet Draculon. It was an entire race of vampires. The rivers ran red with blood, which they ate. Uh, later on, not even that much later on, honestly, uh, the character took uh, a lot more gothic roots. You know, they introduced Dracula into the series, and uh, they introduced the Van Helsing family into the series, and Nancy kind of promised a return to form. I mean, this was a woman that had written all kinds of legit vampire books, uh, the Sonia Blue series, which is incredibly popular. I was really more familiar with her from uh, Jason versus Leatherface. This woman has dabbled in horror pretty much her entire professional career and probably her entire life. And in the modern era of Vampirella, Nancy Collins was definitely the one that got me back into the character in a big bad way. And so what we're going to be doing is we are going to be reading the first volume of Nancy Collins' Vampirella series that was released in 2014. And I'm just going to take you through it page by page and give you some panel descriptions. And I hope this is interesting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I think it might be kind of fun. And here we go. Vampirella, Volume 1, Our Lady of Shadows. Written by Nancy A. Collins. Art by Patrick Birkencotter and Christian Krizam Zamora. Inks by Dennis Chrysostomo, colors by Jorge Sutil and John Meal, letters by Rob Stein, collection cover by Terry Dodson and Rachel Dodson, collection designed by Katie Hildalgo. Issue 1, Feast of Shadows. 
we see a young girl lying in bed with her mother leaning over her. Time to go to bed, Emma. You've got a big day ahead of you, Emma responds. Is there going to be a bouncy castle at my birthday party? You'll have to wait and see, young lady. Is Grandma coming to my party? Of course, sweetie. And Auntie Jenny? Yes. Is Daddy going to be there? Um, we'll see. We see Emma's mother on the phone now. I don't know what to say. She keeps asking if her dad is coming. How do I tell her the reason her father can't be at her birthday party is because he's mixed up with some crazy cult? Everything's ready for noon tomorrow. I pick up the cake at 10, and they're setting up the bouncy castle around 11. Hold on, sis. I just heard something. I think Emma's out of bed again. We see Emma's mother entering a darkened bedroom. I know you're excited about tomorrow, sweetie, but you know the rules. No playing after lights out. Now get back to bed. We now see to Emma's mother's horror that the room is in shambles, the window smashed, and across the wall, written in what is presumably blood, a symbol that's similar to that of the symbol of chaos, and these words, she is ours. Her mother cries out in terror, Emma, an establishing shot of a city. Seattle. We see Vampirella lying in bed. Her phone buzzing wakes her up. A close-up of her eyes fluttering open. Damn it. Vampirella, looking tired, now answers the phone. This better be good, Monsignor. You're interrupting my beauty sleep. The voice over the phone replies. You know I would not disturb you at such an hour, my dear. Unless it was important. We now see an elderly priest... Leaned over his desk on the phone. Looks like the uh, Basilla is outside. He's definitely at Vatican City. We need you to look into something for us. A child was kidnapped the other night. Her father belongs to a cult. And his ex-wife believes he intends to use the girl in a blood ritual. Vampirella responds over the phone. That's awful. But it sounds more like a job for the FBI to me. You didn't let me finish. The child's father's name is William Baxter, but he recently changed it to Ethan Shroud. A shot of Vampirella over the phone, eyes wide in realization. You're right. This is a job for me. Send me the info. Good girl. That's what I want to hear. Time is of the essence, and I fear this poor child does not have much more to spare. Emma Baxter's birthday coincides with the Feast of Shadows, one of the Cult of Chaos's darkest holy days. You, more than anyone, know what the Shroud is capable of. This page we see Vampirella showering. We see her body in silhouette while the room is filled with steam. The steam has also carried over to the bottom of the page, where it has shown an image of Vampirella chained to a table, while shadowy hooded members of this cult stand around her. Another stands over her arms, outstretched, almost as if they're in a cruciform, obviously performing some kind of ritual. And then we have some omniscient narration. Ethan Shroud. Her memories may still be a jumble of lies and misdirection, but one thing she knows is true. The high priest of the cult of chaos is bad news. For as far back as she can remember, 
the warlock and his followers have been an unwanted part of her life. Like something stuck to the bottom of her shoe, she thought she had finally seen the last of that evil zealot. But if there is one truth in her life, it is that her enemies are often resourceful, if not immortal. No matter how hard she tries, it seems as if she will never escape her past. So, she might as well embrace it. And here we see Vampirella getting her outfit together wrapped in a towel. She sighs. Why fight it? And below we see an image of a giant 70s album cover demon. Giant horns, fire blazing between them. His chest, of open cavity of flame. He looks very rock-like. And not only just because it looks like he's going to rock out too. And now an establishing shot of a modest-looking home. The caption reads, The Baxter Residence, three hours later. We see Vampirella wearing a trench coat and gloves. She's on the phone. I'm here. The house is wrapped in crime scene tape, and according to the dossier you forwarded to me, the girl's mother went into shock and had to be hospitalized. That means if I'm going to investigate, I have to be creative. We see Vampirella entering the home through the smashed window of Emma's bedroom. She drags her hand across the wall where the writing in blood was. Real subtle shroud, she says. Hmm, animal blood. At least it isn't human. We see Emma's mother holding a pistol aimed at Vampirella from over her shoulder. Who are you? What are you doing in my daughter's room? Emma's mother looks panicked. You're one of his crazy followers. He sent you here to kill me, didn't he? You and that bastard can go to hell. She fires her pistol. Vampirella dodges the bullet and in one death moves, disarms the woman by slapping the gun out of her hand. Let go of me. I'm not one of them, Mrs. Baxter. I'm here to help. We see Emma's mother has relented. Vampirella introduces herself. My name is Ella Normandy. Are you with the police? No. I'm part of an investigative group that specializes in cults like the one your husband belongs to. Emma's mother has her head in her hands. Thank God. When I tried to explain the cult of chaos to the detectives on Emma's case, they thought I was nuts. The cops think Bill took Emma because I won custody. But it's much worse than that. But no one believes me. I believe you, Mrs. Baxter. Please, tell me how your husband got involved in the cult of chaos. Now Emma's mother tells the story of Bill. Bill used to be a nice, normal guy. A real sweetheart. He had a decent job, working as an air traffic controller at the airport. He loved being a husband, and he adored being a father. As far as he was concerned, the sun rose and set on Emma. All that changed when he found that awful book at the antiquarian bookstore. Bill collected old books, you see. The older, the better. And this book, The Crimson Chronicles, written by some occultist called Ethan Shroud, was the oldest one yet. He became fixated with that damn thing. He spent hours, even days, locked in his study, reading it over and over. I'd never seen him like that before. He stopped bathing, shaving, eating, going to work. He became so obsessed, he even sought out the cult of chaos in real life. When he finally found them, they bowed before him and said he was the reincarnation of their high priest. When he started calling himself Ethan Shroud, that was the final straw. It broke my heart to make him leave, but I couldn't allow that kind of madness near my daughter. 
It's been tough on us ever since. I'm making ends meet, but Emma misses her daddy so much. I only want this nightmare to end. And to have my daughter in my arms again. Vampirella speaks up. I will do everything in my power to bring Emma back to you, Mrs. Baxter. I promise you that. We see Vampirella now leaving Mrs. Baxter's house. She's heading to her car. Rather nice car at that. She speaks into the phone. I spoke to the mother. There's no doubt we're dealing with Ethan Shroud. He somehow managed to possess some poor soul via a copy of the Crimson Chronicles and is walking around in his body. Any suggestions from your end as to where I might find him? Now we see the priest again, looking over a book. According to our information, the ritual for the Feast of Shadows must be held just before the stroke of midnight in the oldest section of the oldest cemetery in the area. We see Vampirella still on the phone. Thank you, Google. We see an establishing shot of Vampirella where you always want to see Vampirella in a cemetery. She's crouched over the dividing wall and looks totally badass. In captions, Crossroads Cemetery, just before midnight. Vampirella speaks to, I guess, no one in particular. According to the records I found online, this is the oldest cemetery in the state. And the oldest section should be on the other side of this rise. And I am totally not talking to myself because I'm nervous. We see a shot of young Emma on a stone table with Ethan Shroud in a red robe over top of her body holding a knife. The entire area lit by two giant torches. There seems to be cultists all around. Coming into this scene, Vampirella exclaims, Dark Mother, Ethan Shroud says. Praise the great god Chaos. Praise the bringer of fear who maketh men flee. Praise Chaos, for all acts of passions are a hymn in his honor. And then all the cultists around are unanimously saying, Praise Chaos. Praise Chaos. We have a shot of Ethan Shroud with his knife raised in the air as if he might plunge it down into young Emma. Mighty art thou whom hath no form. Mighty art thou the vast and eternal. Shroud! Vampirella shouts from off panel. And then we see Vampirella standing there removing her trench coat. Now she's in the traditional... Vampirella bathing suit with a white collar that we all see, just looking like an absolute badass. Ethan Shroud net recognizes her, though, and he calls back to her, Vampirella! We see Vampirella leaping forward, her vampiric speed and power allowing her to leap a great distance into the mass of cultists. I don't know how you managed to return, but I'm not going to allow you to harm an innocent child. And then, boom, the second she lands, she smacks one of the cultists in the face. And that goes double for your brainwashed followers. Vampirella easily closes the distance and heads to the table, but Ethan Shroud interjects and tries to get in between her and the young girl. Get away from her, Vampirella shouts. The child is mine to offer unto chaos. In the very next panel, we see Vampirella grabbing this new Ethan Shroud by the throat, choking him and lifting him high into the air. Her teeth are clenched, and she looks at him with utter contempt. I could easily tear your head off your shoulders right now, 
Maybe then you would stay dead. But I won't, because you've hitched a ride in some poor bastard who couldn't protect himself from being possessed. Instead, I'll leave you to Sestus Day. They have exorcists on call. Vampirella heads to young Emma's side. Emma, are you okay? Don't be afraid. You're going to be safe. I'm here to take you back to your mom. Ah! And just before she could finish her sentence, we see that the young girl has sprung to life and plunged a syringe into Vampirella's throat. As Vampirella falls to the ground, falling unconscious, young Emma, looking down from the stone table, Did I do it right, Daddy? And we see Ethan Shroud holding the young girl up in a loving embrace, them both smiling cheerfully. He says, You were perfect. We now see the cultist surrounding an unconscious Vampirella. Prepare her and be quick about it. The drug won't keep her down for long. Some time later, we see the cultist still standing around Vampirella, but now she's tied to a large post, her hands lashed at the wrist above her head. Ethan Shroud says, Ah, Vampirella, you are as beautiful and predictable as ever. I never intended to sacrifice the child. I merely used her to lure you to me. For I knew you could not resist coming to the aid of an innocent. Here we see a smoky, shrouded woman in a white cloak, her hair blowing in the wind wildly in all directions, and her two eyes just billowing pools of bright red. We see a man and woman in a near embrace, perhaps lovers. Mm. Let's find out. Here we have narration from Ethan's point of view. For tonight is the Feast of Shadows. It is a celebration, not of chaos, but of his sister consort, the demon goddess Umbra, the Lady of Shadows. She who has the power to summon forth the darkness that lurks within all humans. She who can turn brother against brother, lover against beloved, parent against child. She who has the power to reduce all of civilization into a writhing ball of selfishness, lust, and hate, but with a crook of her finger. It is to her our ritual is dedicated. And sure enough, these lovers or family members or whichever eyes become blackened, and now they are fighting each other. The woman is scratching her eyes at the man's face, drawing blood. We see the cultists violently grabbing Vampirella by her throat and raising her mouth, forcing her to drink. Ethan's narration comes in as Vampirella sputters. We summon she who art dark and powerful. Umbra, Lady of Shadows, bring forth thine darkness. We prepare for thee a worthy vessel, so thou might walk the mortal world. Vampirella spits out, vomits out, really, this uh, drink that she's been forced to be given. I don't know if it's blood or some sort of dark ichor. We see a cult member preparing a brand in the fire, as Ethan's narration continues. Thou, who art darkness everlasting, whose eyes are redder than the early sun, we call you forth 
We mark this woman as thine own to serve as flesh to thy bone. Umbra, lady of shadows, the all-devourer, thou who art bound, we unbind thee. And now we see Vampirella crying out in pain, barely conscious, as the brand is shoved into her breast right over her heart. She cries out in pain as Ethan's narration continues. Come forth, thou lady of shadows, from the eternal night. We see Ethan now with a smug sense of satisfaction across his face. It is done. You bear the mark of Umbra, and nothing can remove it. You are now the gateway by which the Lady of Shadows enters into our world. Within the next twenty-nine days, the darkness within you shall rise, unbidden and unstoppable, like a black tide. We see a close-up of Vampirella's eyes there. Black pools. And now a new establishing shot. Vampirella looking not unlike the Lady of Shadows herself. Hair, black, wild, waving in all directions. Her outfit almost looks black. It might just be the lighting. Her collar is still white. And her eyes a bright, bright red. And just behind her, up into the sky, is a giant eclipsed moon. When the mark upon your heart enters full eclipse, Vampirella will be no more, and your place will be our Lady of Shadows. Now we see a bunch of people with their eyes blackened, sort of vacantly staring at the sky, like they're enslaved. Once Umbra is made incarnate, she will Free the darkness locked within every man, woman, and child, triggering a tsunami of violence and madness that will prepare the world for its rightful master. And now we see young Emma lying on the stone table, asleep, her body lit by a candle. Then, and only then, will I use the child to open the door with no key. And now we see a shot of Ethan, and half of his face is that giant demon with the big horns and the fire between his face. The other side of his face looks normal. I will then surrender myself to the great god of chaos so that he can be reunited with his sister wife. And together, they will bring about the red ruin of this pathetic world you're so desperate to save. And we see that same giant demon, and now Vampirella, possessed by the Lady of Shadows, um, item of chaos and darkness. And we're back to what's actually happening with the cultists standing around Vampirella, one of the masks, Ethan. What do we do with her now, your excellency? Untie her and let her leave. The die has been cast. There is nowhere she can run and nothing she can do to avoid her fate. As Ethan turns to leave with his arm around his daughter. Oh, Vampirella, next time you see my wife, be sure to give her my love, won't you? Come, my dear, it's time to go. Tell the nice lady goodbye. We see Emma cheerfully waving behind her as she leaves. Bye. Now we see Vampirella wandering through the graveyard once again. Now the omniscient narration returns. Shroud and his minions disappear into the swirling mist, leaving her to stagger out of the graveyard 
unchallenged. Whatever they used to drug her is quickly dissipating. She still feels disoriented, as if the world is somehow darker about the edges. Despite the pain racking her body and the strange shadows flickering at the corners of her eyes, she is not worried for herself, but for another. We see Vampirella getting into a car, just looking completely fucked up, determined, but worried. Her eyes still blackened pools. Mrs. Baxter. Something about Shroud's smile when he mentioned his wife made her blood run cold. We see Vampirella enter Mrs. Baxter's home. Where are you? And there we see Mrs. Baxter pinned to the wall, quite literally, bleeding out. It looked like a saw-like device has nearly bisected her. She weakly says, Help me. The omniscient narration comes back. She tells herself there is no way this poor woman will survive, and even if she does, her life will be one of endless torment, both physical and mental. But at the same time, the smell of blood is so strong, it stirs her hunger. She needs to feed. She must feed. Mrs. Baxter says again, Please, help me. The omniscient narration returns. She tells herself that what she's doing is an act of mercy, not just a means to provide herself with the blood to heal her own wounds. Mrs. Baxter says, Help me, Vampirella says solemnly. I'm so sorry. I truly am. As Vampirella sinks her teeth into Mrs. Baxter's neck, draining her of her remaining blood. We now see Vampirella leaving the house, tears streaming down her face, her hand on her forehead. She speaks into the phone. Monsignor, it's me. I found Shroud, but it was a trap. I was ambushed and used in a ritual. We now cut to the priest. He looks absolutely shocked as Vampirella finishes telling him this. Something about turning me into a vessel for the Lady of Shadows. They let me go, but Shroud still has the girl, and he had her mother killed, the priest says. That is most unfortunate, Vampirella. Get back to Seattle as fast as you can. We'll be sending someone to help you ASAP. We now see the priest looking conflicted, and then a phone rings, and we see a pair of hands carving wooden stakes. An older man in an eye patch answers, It's me. We need the skills of the Malus Malficarum, father. Vampirella has been compromised. She is no longer an asset to the Sestus Day. I warned you that it would come to this if you used hellspawns such as her. But you wanted to fight fire with fire. But now that fire is threatening to burn down the house, along with everyone inside. Asado? I'm afraid you're right, Nicodemus. Of course I'm right. If the world is to live, Vampirella must die. And we've come to the end of issue one of Vampirella. And I think that's just about where we're going to leave it, too. So definitely tune in next week. Do you guys think I should be reading one issue per episode or two issues per episode? Or should we play it by ear if something's really compelling? I just kind of thought that 30 minutes seems to be like the good cutoff point for just reading something and uh, also get a little bit of mileage out of this kind of stuff just for total transparency. But um, yeah, I really like your guys' thoughts on this. I'd really like you guys to comment. You can find me at Wes Dead Air Nipe on Twitter or... You can find me at 
uh, Splatter Pictures slash Dead Air Podcast on Facebook, or you can find me on the splatterpictures.net website or the Splatter Pictures SoundCloud website. Uh, you can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Uh, all of that really goes to help the show, like in these early days of a new podcast. This type of stuff is really, really important for, you know, getting people's attention to it. So any little bit that you could help or share the show, if you guys enjoyed it, uh, that would really help. Um, I will be back next week with issue two of Vampirella, Hammerfall. It's a really good one. So I'm really excited to read that to you guys. And if you guys have any other suggestions for horror comic books that you'd like me to tackle, anything, anything, and uh, and just let me know. And if I have the book or I can get access to the book, uh, that definitely will become a real possibility for the show. I didn't really think of a sign-off, but I guess all I'm going to say is uh, see you next week. And for the panels of blood, I'm Wes Snipe.